Good morning, One Hope. Good morning if you're joining us from somewhere else online this morning. It's wonderful to be together. Turn with me in God's Word to Luke chapter 11. It's where we're going to base ourselves this morning, the Gospel of Luke chapter 11. We've been talking about how to pray, and that might be something that feels so relevant to you. Like, I don't know how to pray. And so we're going to be turning and looking at Jesus' disciples, asking the same question, Lord, teach us how to pray. Or you might be a seasoned prayer, someone who considers themselves having prayed for many years, able to pray. Well, this morning, the content of what we're going to look at really was thought-provoking and surprising for me. So don't tune out because you know how to pray. Listen up because it's really thought-provoking this morning. So we've been speaking for about six weeks now on prayer, and I would love to just clarify what our goals are. So let me start by saying what our goal is not. Our goal is not to simply understand prayer. It's not to somehow come to the realization of the truth alone and in an intellectual kind of sense. That, and Let me just affirm immediately how important that is, but it's not where we want to stop. Our goal is that one hope as a congregation, we would literally have people lifting up more and more prayer. More time spent lifting up prayer before the Father. So if you had to imagine seeing it as a bird's eye view over Stellenbosch or wherever you live and seeing your address and seeing your home and we could quantify prayer, it would be like seeing prayers rising up. Imagine looking out over Stellenbosch, a kilometer up and just seeing prayers popping up, more and more and more prayers all over our town. Revelation says something like this. So it's actually a biblical idea that the, the prayers of the saints rise up to God. That's our goal. Our goal is to grow prayer muscle. This is something that we learn. It's not just a, a gift that God just downloads in us and we, we come, you know, ready packed with batteries. No, it's something we grow in. It's something we learn. It's something we practice. And that's a comfort to us. We can learn how to do this. Here's the goal. That as we learn to pray, we commit actual time in actual diaries before the Father and we begin to realize again how wondrous prayer is. God, you hear me. Lord, you answered my prayer and as we pray, our faith is stirred. We have fresh confidence flowing through us. Here's the goal. That if you don't know how to pray, and just like Jesus' disciples here in Luke chapter 11, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. They cried out to Jesus. If that's you this morning, I know there's so much in my heart that's saying, Lord, teach me more and more how to pray. Then what we're trying to do in this series is to give us practical handles on how God's Word teaches us to pray. I'd love to just personally say how meaningful the preach was for me last week out of Matthew 6. Guys, this for me is a, a rich personal experience where I had a, a moment in my life where I was taught to use the Lord's Prayer as a guide and it unlocked so much more for me in prayer. It's a tremendous focus for me to be able to pray using the Lord's Prayer with a very busy mind and a mind that loves running off after all these little you know, Jack Russell moments in my life. It's incredible to have something that guides me and I find that the Lord's Prayer is a, a true guide over tricky personal prayer terrain, if I could say it like that. So 
with all of those things in mind, and really the heart is for us to, to think, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to quantifiably be able to say we have grown in prayer. I would love for us in our groups, right at the beginning today, to take a few minutes and to have some personal reflection time. So this is just for you. It's not going to be shared with the group, but I would love us to ask a few questions. In a typical week, how many minutes would you say that you set aside for prayer? How many minutes would you pray in a week? And I'm asking that question because I want us to have an honest moment and to realize maybe we don't pray nearly as much as we think we do and to have a baseline that we can say, Lord, would you grow this? Once you have that number in mind, I'd love you to take that number in prayer before God and just ask him, Lord, are you pleased? Does this please you? My relationship with you, my prayer with you, does this, does this please you? And then just quietly, I encourage you to have a conversation with the Lord in your heart about it. Be honest. Be vulnerable. He already knows, guys. He already knows how much we are before Him in prayer. And He loves us anyway, despite our weaknesses. And then as we come to God's Word, the last thing I'd like to do is that as as we come to God's Word, just in your, on your own, just personally just say, Father, would you prepare my heart this morning? I want to hear your Word. I want your Word to change me. Lord, I need to learn how to pray. Teach me how to pray. Pray those prayers. Group leaders, could I ask you just to give your groups about five minutes this morning for this personal reflection moment? Now, I hope that was helpful for you. The purpose of doing that is I want us to feel the practical aspects of Scripture teaching us how to pray and what we've been looking at over the last six weeks. How does it change us? What does it need to do in our lives? What, is it, what fruit does it need to produce? How will we ensure that our lives do look different because of what we've been taught in this series on prayer? And now maybe for some of you in that personal reflection moment, you feel the pleasure of the Lord and you feel Him just encouraging you in the growth that you're experiencing and the learning. And I want to say that's wonderful. Praise God for those moments. For many others, probably the majority of us, there would be some embarrassment or shame around how little we pray. And that's okay. I want to remind us this morning that this is a journey of discipleship. God is teaching us. We're growing. It's not the end of the story. We're just at the beginning. We can keep on learning. And then there's some who are somewhere in the middle. You feel like God's been teaching you about prayer, but there's so much more to learn. I would say I'm in, in this bracket. I was saying, God, there's so much more to learn. I feel so weak, but I, I feel the stirrings to, to pray. My encouragement is keep pressing in. We have a Father who delights in our learning, delights in our growing. So let's turn to Luke chapter 11. And the question I'm kind of asking, the overarching question is, would you like your prayers to be answered? And I think that one of the main reasons that we don't pray is that we feel like nothing happens. And God, I pray and you don't really answer me. And I want to contend from Scripture this morning something that shocked me as I've really dug into it in the last four weeks or so, that we don't pray correctly. And I believe that part of why our prayers are not answered is because we are not praying in a biblical way. So Luke 11, as I said already, is Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. I'm reading out of the NLT and we're reading from verse 5. So Jesus teaches them 
what we'd know as the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer that we covered last week. And then he carries on, and this is what it says. Then, teaching them more about prayer, right? He used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. Now, quick cultural interjection here. In this time, when Jesus is speaking, this would have been a horrifying moment for that host to not have something for this person to eat in their culture. So he rushes out to a neighboring friend's house. And suppose he calls out this friend from his bedroom. Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Guys, remember Jesus is teaching his disciples here how to pray. And this is the parable that he tells them or the story that he tells them. He says, this is how I want you to pray. Now that little phrase, shameless persistence, the ESV renders that phrase impudence, which is the synonyms for that are like being cheeky or cheekiness or almost like being brazen or audaciously asking your friend and he will come and help you and he'll give you bread because you ask him in this shamelessly persistent way. Now immediately when I read that I'm like is it really okay to ask God like this? Is Jesus actually teaching them that this is good? And again, remembering that Jesus is still responding to their question, Lord, teach us how to pray. So he's telling them, this is how I want you to pray. Now, it really began to come home to me when I cross-referenced this with other sections of Scripture where Jesus teaches explicitly around prayer. Because there's not that many of them. Most of the time, Jesus just prays and he just models to his disciples. You just hear about Jesus going up on the mountain or out early in the morning and he's just modeling prayer all the way through his life. But when he explicitly teaches on prayer, this is one of the key texts in Luke 11 and the other one is Luke 18. So flip forward in your Bible with me to Luke chapter 18 and look at what it says. The parable of the persistent widow. 18 verse 1. One day... Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, now Jesus is still saying to his disciples, guys, this is how I want you to pray. Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? And so in this moment, the incredible truth begins to emerge 
from these texts, which is our big idea for today. This is the big idea I want you to go home with. Persistent prayer pleases God and gets answered. Persistent prayer pleases God and gets answered. Now let's be clear right up front that these are parables. They're stories that Jesus is telling and they are illustrating a single main point. And this is the main point. It's an encouragement for us as believers, just as those disciples that Jesus was speaking to, an encouragement for us to be shamelessly persistent, audaciously so, in prayer and to have confidence that when we do, God will answer our prayer. Guys, this is mind-blowing for me. I've never been taught this. I cannot think of sitting in a sermon where anyone has taught me to persistently, insistently go before God and pray and that it pleases Him and that Jesus endorses it. Jesus says, pray like this so we can know that it pleases God, that He wants us to do this. So that's what Jesus is saying in these parables. And let me just be clear on what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying that God is not a good friend. He's not saying that God is half asleep. He's not saying that he's an unjust judge who doesn't care about people or care about righteousness. That's obvious, but we'll also cover that a little bit more later. Now, if I can have a a preacher honesty moment, I find this teaching really jarring. I find it really jarring for two reasons. The first one is because I think of how much it irritates me in others when they push and persist and keep on asking. And I find it so personally frustrating. And so yes, we might eventually give them what they want, right? Whether it's a child or a work colleague or whoever it may be, but we're giving it to them out of frustration and annoyance rather than genuinely wanting them to have it. I mean, we all remember those moments, right? With our parents, or if you are a parent, where you say, if you, if you ask one more time, you are never going to watch TV again in your life ever. Yes, even when you're married and even when you're living in your own home, this is it. You will never watch TV one more time. So that's the first reason why I find this teaching so jarring. And the second is that I think just through kind of the the Christian discipleship osmosis process of having been in church and around Christians my whole life. So I could call that Christian practice. I think many of us have been taught just to ask God a few times and then to stop. Almost like it's impolite to keep asking God, like we're nagging God, or even worse, that we're faithless to keep on asking, as if God hasn't heard us the first time, and that that by asking Him again and again, we're kind of acting as if He's unwilling to answer, and am I being faithless? And so in my life, this has bred a sort of, uh, I'm sorry to ask you again, Lord, almost like I'd call it a, a cowering prayer. Like, Lord, I'm really sorry to bring this up again, but, you know, I need to pray about this and I haven't had an answer yet. And it's brought this kind of thing into my life. And I think probably even from misinterpretation of scriptural verses. So I think of being taught uh, he knows everything we need before we even think it. That's a wonderful promise, and it's incredibly true, but completely misapplied to say that he's not pleased 
when we ask him again and again. It just means that he knows what we need before we even think it. Wow. Or I think about the verse that says, don't go on babbling like the pagans do. And they think that God's going to hear them because of the many words that they're saying over and over. Again, I want to say that text is misapplied. The context here is mindlessly babbling on and on without thinking about what we're actually praying. As if the act of prayer itself, just going blah, 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 is going to somehow move the hand of God. Like many of us, I think, if we think back to last week, would have been guilty of in the Lord's Prayer. And praying that, you know, I think of being in school and standing in school assembly and like, our father in heaven, oh, check that, check that cool pigeon. It's making a nest up there. And you know, forgive us our sins. Oh, oh, that the pretty girl over there is, is looking my way. Stand up straight, chest out. Look deeply involved in prayer because I heard she goes to church on the weekend. Forgive us our sins as we forgive. You know, and, and this is the kind of, Teaching, I think that those verses are teaching us that God's not going to answer those kind of mindless, pretend, babbling prayers. But this idea that Jesus is teaching in Luke 11 and Luke 18 of persistent, insistent, shameless, audacious prayers is completely in line with Jesus's explicit teachings on how to pray. So the big idea, persistent prayer pleases God and gets answers. I'm going to ask you to push pause and in your group discuss these few questions. Does God hear me the first time that I ask? And then if yes, why would it please him for me to keep on asking him? The shameless persistence, why would it please him? In other words, why is this so irritating to me, but it doesn't seem from what Jesus is teaching to be irritating at all to God. Rather, it pleases him. Why? And so as we come back together, let me remind us the big idea for this morning. Persistent prayer pleases God and gets answered. Now, remember, we were reading in Luke 11 about the neighbor and going in this shameless persistence. And he's not going to help you because he's your friend. He's going to help you actually because you're just continuing to ask and ask. Well, let's carry on in verse 9. And so Jesus says, I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be open. So does God hear you the first time that you ask? Yes. Why would this shameless persistence be how God wants me to pray? Let me try and answer it like this. I hope you've already reached these conclusions in your group, but let me answer it for us as well. Let me say it like this. When a child is pestering us, or not just a child, but a, an adult. Let's think of a boyfriend or a girlfriend who wants us to do something and, and we don't really want to do it. Or a work colleague or a boss or whoever it may be. But when someone is pestering us and badgering us and coming and asking the same thing again and again, the goal, what is the goal? The goal is to make us do something we don't want to do. So either 
explicitly or maybe with our body language we've already said no a hundred times but they're coming again and again selfishly insisting on something that we've already communicated we don't want to do so what's the emotion in the room it's reluctance you're getting angry you, you don't want to give in but you feel like you just must give in because it's just so relentless there's a frustration that's growing in you now we can pray like that and we can take selfish requests before God and be just like a selfish boyfriend, child, name, whatever it is. And God will not answer our prayers. We can go with selfish will, what we want, insisting on our own way. God, I want it like this. And God is not going to answer those prayers. So that is not what Jesus is preaching. Instead, Jesus' teaching is rooted in the very heart of God. He's saying, I want you to come and bring persistent prayers before God, not selfishly, not insisting on our own way. No, rather, let's look at verse 11 to 13. Jesus says, You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So Jesus' argument here is, guys, I want you to keep coming before the Father again and again, because look at you, you're sinful fathers, and even you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more? Won't God do even better? When we come to Him making it clear what we need and we persistently, steadily are asking Him and praying, He will answer us is the teaching of Jesus. If we go to Luke chapter 18 again and we look, there's exactly the same principle playing out. Jesus again roots it in the Father and He says, if the unjust judge gives justice, if this guy who doesn't care about people and doesn't care about righteousness, if even he gives justice, then how much more will your father give justice to those who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Jesus continues, I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. So if the unrighteous judge does that, how much more will the righteous God? And so the basis of our confidence is not simply in the persistence of prayer. That's a key component to it, but it's rooted in the right understanding of the goodness of God and His will for our lives. Now, the reason that these kind of prayers please God, that we come again and again before Him, is because as we do that, we are declaring, I need you. We're not like a selfish child declaring, I'm going to keep on doing this until you change your mind. We're not like a boyfriend trying to pressure his girlfriend into something she doesn't want to do selfishly. No, we're coming before the Father and we're saying, I need you. I trust you. I'm dependent on you. God, if you don't do this, if you don't do this, God, I don't know where else to turn. I know you are not reluctant, God. We remind God of His promises. Help me, Lord. This is the, the attitude that we come with. Do you remember all the way back to week one when we spoke about even the act of prayer is a tremendous act of faith? It's us coming before God. He's pleased with our faith. He's pleased with our persistence. He's pleased with the 
posturing of ourselves towards Him as we say, we trust you. John Piper, the theologian, has a beautiful quote which I think gets to the heart of some of what I'm trying to communicate this morning and what I believe the Scriptures are saying to us. He says this, prayer is an open admission that without Christ we can do nothing. So we're declaring openly, I can't do anything without you, God. And he says, prayer is the turning away from ourselves to God in the confidence that He will provide the help we need. Prayer humbles us as needy and exalts God as wealthy. And so this persistent prayer is actually an orientation. It's an orienting of our heart toward God in the right way. And so, man, it's so easy to give up praying, right? It's so easy to get despondent. But these scriptures are teaching us that this displeases God. He wants us to persist in prayer. Maybe you're asking, do we ever stop? Do we ever stop asking? And I'd say, yes, we do. We do. There's times where we know that God has said no to our request. Guys, when God has said no, that is an answer. It's not an unanswered prayer. God said no. We need to stop asking God for that thing. Or secondly, when we realize that we have been praying something wrong, something incorrectly, maybe with even with good motives, but we, we hear a teaching or we read a scripture and we understand that we've been praying selfishly and we have revelation that we've been praying for our glory instead of the glory of God or, or us to be vindicated when we actually might be in the wrong. And I think when we realize that, we stop praying. And then the third time that we stop praying is gloriously when our Father has graciously answered our prayers. I would encourage us in those moments to, to keep praying prayers of thankfulness and gratitude and going back to it like the Israelites did with the, the monuments and the stones they would erect as remembrance to their God. But we don't have to keep on asking once that's been given to us. And so practically, what does this persistent prayer mean? Guys, it means that we take our requests before the Father again and again and again, and again. And we do it with confidence in our heart that this pleases Him, that this is how Jesus taught us to pray, that this is how He wants us to pray. And so we do it something like this. Father, I bring my friend again before You. You've placed this person on my heart to pray for their salvation. Lord, And I'm going to keep on knocking. I'm going to keep on asking on behalf of this person. Lord, I believe that you are pleased with me coming and asking again and again and again for this person to come to know you. Lord, please use me. Please use me in some way to bring them to faith. What a privilege that would be, Lord. One of my favorite Charles Spurgeon's quotes, he's one of the, one of the, the prince of preachers. One of my favorite quotes from him is this one. Oh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, if sinners will be damned, which is an old word for going to hell, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms around their knees, imploring them to stay and not madly to destroy themselves. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let not one go there unwarned 
and unprayed for. Not one unwarned or unprayed for. We can know practically that when we're persistently praying, it's pleasing God. Maybe this morning you have a loved one far from God. As I was preparing, I just felt the Spirit prompting me, you need to hear this. I felt specifically around sons and daughters, parents praying for sons and daughters who don't follow Jesus. Guys, I want to encourage you. You need to hear this. Don't stop. Keep going before the Father. Keep praying. Or practically, we pray, Lord, there's this person at work. There's this person in my social group and they're causing me all sorts of trouble, Lord. I've searched my conscience. I see Nothing else that I need to repent of, Lord. I've asked them to forgive me where I've been wrong, but they keep on hounding me. They keep on going around Stellenbosch and trashing my reputation. Please vindicate me, Father. And we can bring these again and again. We can bring these requests before God. Lord, people in my workplace, they know that I follow you. For the sake of your glory, Lord, would you vindicate my reputation? And I know and I pray that there's mixed motives in my heart and I have to let the Lord Sift those motives because obviously I also really want to be vindicated for me. But we can pray these prayers. Sometimes it's coming before the Father and saying, Lord, I have a very real need. My family needs something. And it's not a want. It's not an extravagance or a luxury. Lord, we have this, this need. And we take it before the Father. Guys, we can do this like the Lord's Prayer every day. We're bringing it before the Father and saying, Lord, please answer the prayers on behalf of our family. And not just for my sake. As I've, as I've been a dad for many years now, I feel that I'm praying increasingly that God would, would answer prayers so that my children would see and have faith in their hearts. That faith would root in their hearts to the promises and the faithfulness of God to us as a family. That they would put their faith in Him for their whole lives. Friends, practically this means that we pray even when we have doubt, even when we're struggling, even when we don't want to pray, when we're scared of the answer. I think often we don't pray because we're scared of the answer. Let me encourage you with this. Even if the answer is no, by learning to persistently pray, when the answer no comes, it'll be so much easier because we will be in sweet communion with our Father. We'll be leaning on our Savior's chest when we hear the no, the safest place we could be. William McGill has a little quote which so beautifully sums this up. He says, the value of persistent prayer is not that he will hear us. He hears us the first time, but that we will finally hear him. Big idea one more time. Persistent prayer pleases God and gets answered. I implore you one hope. Let us pray fervently, often, Growing more and more in prayer. Next week, we're going to have One Hope is sharing your stories of God's answered prayers in your life. If you have a story and you'd love to share it, won't you contact us at the office and we'll be in touch to record that testimony of yours. We'd love to have it. That's what we're going to do next week Sunday. I want to encourage you in your groups now as we finish together. Take communion and pray. Spend some time praying as a group before the Father. Love you guys. God bless you and see you next week.